This is the Cancer Survivor Guide. I'm Penny Johnston, a fellow cancer survivor. Being diagnosed with cancer is a kick in the guts. No two ways about it. And anyone who can get you to listen will tell you just how bad chemo or radiation or surgery is going to be for you. But is it possible that there's some allied health professionals who might be able to help you get through your treatment in a way that might even leave you in better shape than you started? Running at Ballarat Health Services is a program called Why Wait for Wellness. And if you take the advice of our three professionals, a psychologist, a dietitian, and in this podcast, an exercise physiologist, you might end up feeling better than you ever expected. Our health professionals are here to bust some crazy cancer myths like, does sugar cause cancer? This is probably one of the most common myths that comes up and it's probably the number one thing that we cover in the group and it creates a lot of discussion. The answer is there is no credible evidence to support the fact that sugar promotes tumour growth. Did I deserve to get cancer? No. A lot of people ask themselves that question, am I being punished for something? Is there something I did? And think that they maybe did something to deserve it. And I think that, you know, if we knew what caused cancer, we'd be able to prevent it. And in the situations where we do know more information about what the causes are, we do try to prevent it. But unfortunately for lots of people, it's just bad luck. And could exercising make my cancer move further around my body? No. Is again the short answer. Exercise can help improve the immune system, which essentially helps fight the cancer cells. In this podcast, you'll meet Tracy Duggan. She's an exercise physiologist. My name is Tracy Duggan. I'm an accredited exercise physiologist and I work at a wonderful cancer centre called Ballarat Regional Integrated Cancer Centre at Ballarat Health Services. What does an exercise physiologist do? So an exercise physiologist is someone who specialises in exercise for people with chronic health conditions, including cancer, which is an area that I specialise in. We specifically tailor exercise programs for people with specific needs. Exercise isn't the first thing that springs to my mind when you've been diagnosed with cancer. Tell us about what's been happening in the world of exercise and cancer. People do come to us and say exercise is the last thing that they feel like doing after a cancer diagnosis. But it's very exciting that there's been a lot of information and research conducted and a lot of which has actually come out of Australia that tells us there's many benefits of exercise and most importantly regularly exercising before, during and after treatment can help counteract treatment-related side effects. Historically, it was advised to certainly rest whilst you're having treatment, but now the message is a lot different and we certainly advise people to avoid inactivity where they can. So even whilst undergoing difficult regime of cancer treatment, we encourage people to be physically active. And we often say, look, it's a really good idea to have an exercise plan in place. So you may have good days and not so good days. A good day may mean that you're able to walk around the block a not-so-good day may mean that you just walk to the letterbox or back. But certainly we are recommending to keep moving before, during and after treatment. Tracy, now this is going to sound pretty crazy, but some of the latest research is showing that patients should start an exercise program early, potentially even before surgery. Yes, absolutely. So exercise leading up to surgery has a very valuable role 
in the preparation for actual surgery. Our aim is to try and have patients fitter and stronger as their health and their condition permits before surgery because we know that emerging research shows patients are more likely to maintain or improve their fitness, spend less time in hospital, may reduce the risk of post-surgery complications and also side effects, and help patients recover quicker from surgery and return to their normal fitness and everyday activities. Likewise, post-surgery, when patients are medically cleared, exercise can help to restore movement and again, help with that strength, cardiovascular fitness, reduce side effects and speed up recovery time as well. What sort of things are you noticing happens for a patient that is doing exercise, say even during chemotherapy? One of the biggest things that we notice is people are tolerating treatment a lot better. So it's minimising treatment side effects and people are having less severe side effects such as fatigue is one of the biggest and most common and debilitating both physically and emotionally but also loss of muscle mass. It can help counteract that which is really important because loss of muscle mass can lead to reduced physical function and quality of life. So not being able to do your normal daily living activities. For instance, being being able to get in and out of the car easy, carrying your child around, going to the supermarket and carrying your shopping, for example. But certainly there's other side effects such as the severity of nausea and pain that people have reported that it certainly helps with. Why does exercise beat fatigue? I mean, surely if you're tired, why does exercise cure that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then we get that question a lot. So simply we know that reduced physical fitness and loss of muscle mass equals fatigue. Exercise, simply, it builds up our strength, it builds up our fitness. So everyday tasks can become easier. So we know that when we lose our muscle mass, everyday tasks become harder. So because we've got less muscle mass, we need to use more energy. So if we can maintain that or we can build it, which you can do during chemotherapy, we can counteract that side effect of fatigue. Just moving around means your, your body's working and you kind of feel better. People's fatigue lifts, but also their emotional and their, their mood lifts as well. And it's just, yes, structured exercise is what we recommend, but also incidental exercise. So minimising the amount of sitting time you may have a really bad day and you're on the couch for most of the day. And, and so putting steps in place, like setting a timer and, and standing up every 20 minutes and from there going and grabbing yourself a drink and coming back down. So that's breaking those periods up. And that's really important because we know that long periods of sitting and sedentary is problematic for our health. Doctors have said if you could produce a pill that gives the same effective exercise, you would be a billionaire. Yes, it would be the most widely prescribed medicine, that's for sure. Because in terms of building our strengths, there is no pill for that. Exercise is the only thing that we can do. And it's pretty much the same with fatigue as well. We certainly like to look at exercise as medicine and it's good medicine for us and it's medicine that we should take daily. What do you like about working with cancer patients? Are they harder to motivate than the general population? Everybody's different, but generally I love the fact that we can make a difference in someone's quality of life. They can come in feeling really ordinary and leave feeling a little bit better. And that's the biggest thing, their, their physical function, their physical well-being and, and their emotional well-being as well. That's the biggest thing that I love working with cancer patients, that we can make a difference in their quality of life. Exercise looks different for every person and 
you'd be able to tailor that sort of program for people. Some people are gym people, some people are not gym people, and that's completely fine. You can be completing a strength exercise program at home with your body weight, with household equipment such as bottles of water, which are great weights. And two, the other thing is like it's really easy these days and cost effective to get equipment such as dumbbells and therabands from from different stores as well. And, and your therapist can help guide you with that. But certainly one of our main roles is, is to find something that the patient enjoys, is, is to find something that's going to work for them and is going to be sustainable for them. For some people that might be going to a gym, for some people that might be doing exercise at home on their own or with another person, it's something that we try and work out and breaking that exercise up too. So it's, so it's not so overwhelming for people when they first start. So we gradually build up and into it and you definitely don't have to have an exercise background to get into it and make a start and see the benefits. Tracy, there's often a sense your body has really let you down by having cancer. I think it's really hard to trust your body enough to get it moving again. One of the biggest things that we'll use is through our assessment. So we'll take some baseline measures to see, say, for instance, where people are at with their strengths, a questionnaire to look at you know, fatigue levels, for instance. So we'll have an idea of physically and emotionally where people are at at the moment. A lot of people actually do surprise themselves because they actually don't feel that they are capable of doing certain exercises. I think they're pleasantly surprised when we do prescribe a certain exercise prescription and they can go through and do it and then they start to make improvements and they start to progress through. But essentially we will target their exercises at that assessment, that initial assessment, when we see what their level of fitness and health is like. And everybody's different. So some people will start off at a lower intensity, some people start off at a higher intensity. Tell me about the research and it's quite a matter of pride that a lot of the really big information about cancer and exercise has come from Australia. Yes, no, it is. It's really exciting. Exercise and cancer is a fast-growing field. There's been a lot of research conducted and some really exciting findings, and a lot of those findings have actually come from Australian researchers. In 2018, the Clinical Oncology Society of Australia released a position statement that recommended everyone with cancer should be prescribed a routine exercise program in conjunction with their treatment because it has the greatest potential to prevent and reverse treatment-related side effects such as fatigue, nausea, pain, loss of muscle mass. One of the benefits of exercise whilst you're having treatment is improved chemotherapy completion rates. Patients who exercise are more likely to go through and fully complete their regime and have less need for dose reduction. And so that's due to them experiencing less side effects or severity of, and and as we've mentioned, things like pain, fatigue, and a common side effect of chemotherapy is peripheral neuropathy, which is pain, tingling, burning sensation in the extremities, so fingers or, or hands. Exercise can certainly reduce the severity of peripheral neuropathy in the feet and the fingers, so things like making it easier to be able to pick things up, making it easier to be able to walk around, because a lot of people, we've had people come in who have been in a position that their peripheral neuropathy has been quite severe and where they've not actually been able to walk on the treadmill, that we've had to get them on other forms of non-weight-bearing exercise equipment and build them up that way, and then we've been able to go back and try the treadmill that certainly has been effective but it can certainly help with people's you know walking and their balance and they're all types of considerations that we take into account when we're building someone's program that we're adding in we're adding in balance 
where we're adding in non-weight bearing exercises. So it's a multimodal exercise program that will develop and evolve in, over time. Of course, exercise has moved on possibly since the last time you did PE at school. There's so many more different kinds of exercise that are available now. Yeah, so we talk about the in terms of types of exercise that we recommend for people to do so aerobic exercise so that could be anything from walking to riding your bike to dancing so really we just want people to be getting their heart rate up to strength exercise your targeted strengths using your body weight using weights etc but you know there are other types of exercise that we'll use such as balance exercise such as some impact exercise as well pelvic floor exercises that we may add in there too depending upon people's circumstances so it's not just go for a walk. Certainly there is a myriad of different modes of exercises that we will use to put together for people's programs. One of the other common things that people will say is, I've never been to a gym and I don't have any equipment at home. Where where do I start? What what should I do? And, And the advice that I give that is certainly exercise programs can be completed at home. They don't have to go to a gym. Exercises can be just as effective using your own body weight and household items, you know, such as bottles of water. One litre of water, you know, is one kilo, for instance. And these days, equipment is really easily accessible and cost-effective, going out and buying some TheraBand and, and dumbbells. And your therapist can guide you with that. And Tracy, there's even some exercise groups that are specific to your cancers. I'm thinking of the Dragon Boat Ladies. They're obviously groups that recognise the value of exercise can that be a big psychological boost as well? Absolutely. And, and psychological, that social interaction, there's that support network. And I think there's lots of support groups around and walking groups as well. What would you expect when you make an appointment to see an exercise physiologist? First and foremost, we will have an initial assessment. We will have that initial consult where we gather information. We gather information about your cancer history. We gather information about your your general medical history as well. We look at the type of cancer that you've got, the treatment that you're having, any side effects to that, just your current health in general. What exercise you're doing at the moment, whether that be structured or incidental exercise, And then we really look at your goals. So what is it that you want to get out of this? What is it at the moment that you struggle with or that you can't do that you would like to be able to do? Because it is about making it meaningful. And I think that certainly helps with motivation, but it's making it meaningful to the patient. One of the big things is that people do feel really overwhelmed when we talk about exercise and it is about breaking it down, starting at a lower intensity and then building it up from there. So you can do it in blocks. We do recommend that if you can build up to 20 minutes of continuous exercise, fabulous. If we can do that most days, fabulous. If not, let's break that down. So we can do five minutes at the start of the day, five minutes in the middle, five minutes at the end. And then as time goes on, you'll add to that and then gradually work up to your time. I guess one of the big benefits, Tracy, of having your own personal exercise physiologist is that they'll be keeping an eye on your exercise program and keeping an eye on you. Because one of the the dangers is, you know, what happens if things change? Yeah, and things can change and they can change from week to week and it depends upon what cycle of treatment that you're in. 
we are constantly monitoring and modifying your program. Again, if we tend to find day three, day four after treatment, we need to have that exercise plan in place for maybe a not so good day. And and sometimes people will come into the gym and we will modify, we'll pull it back a little bit, although they might even choose to stay at home and do a couple of exercises at home too. But it is really important to let us know of any changes in your medical condition and particularly pain, any new pain that you're experiencing. And if that's the case that you are experiencing new pain that we do recommend that you stop exercise and you speak to your medical team and, and your treating therapist. What makes exercise difficult for cancer patients? People are generally feeling unwell. So sometimes when they've got something on top of that, they actually don't know that they are unwell because they're just generally feel unwell so it's it's just it's the new norm and so it is really tricky one of the things that we do look for is a temperature and that's a sign that there's something you know going on and certainly we're not going to exercise and we need to go and have that checked out and investigated but we do monitor heart rate blood pressure those types of things as well but in general you know I'll ask how are you traveling is there anything new to report what's been happening today but we do it is something that we do monitor quite closely fatigue pain levels and OBS in particular Is it possible if I had a really sedentary lifestyle that I could come into my cancer treatment and come out better than before? Yes, and that's something that people report is that they've come away from this a lot fitter and they feel a lot healthier as a result. Again, we've started off really small and built up and they've come out of it with that fitness level, but that's something that they will then continue on with for the rest of their life. They make it part of their daily routine, which is really important because we know there is evidence to suggest that exercising after cancer can reduce recurrence and developing new cancers. A lot of that research has been done around breast, prostate and colorectal, but certainly that's a bit of a motivation to keep exercising and you reduce your risk of cardiovascular disease, osteoporosis, diabetes and all those types of things as well. When people are struggling to find their why, it is really helpful that we sit down and part of our job is to educate, is to let people know how exercise can help them now and into the future. We know that people who exercise regularly after their cancer diagnosis will experience fewer and milder side effects of their treatment, which ultimately can help them tolerate their treatment better, complete their treatment regime and reduce the risk of cancer recurrence. What are some of the ways that you really help patients? One of the main things that we do is provide education on the benefits of exercise and and how this can help you right now and then also into the future. You know, what's safe and what's appropriate. So it's giving them confidence to know what it is that I should do so they can go ahead and, and get started but also to develop that exercise plan for the good days and and your not-so-good days, and then to provide helpful tips to make exercise part of your daily routine. So things like, I'm tired, some strategies around that and starting at a lower intensity, exercise for shorter periods of time, breaking it up, include rest periods, Exercise when your symptoms are best. So if your fatigue is worse in the afternoon, try and sneak your exercise in in the morning. Motivation is a big thing and I find that education is really powerful with this and and people are unsure of the benefits of exercise. So speaking about that can be certainly a, a helpful motivation. But having supportive people around you, whether that's professionals, whether that's family, whether that's friends, setting 
meaningful exercise goals. For example, it might be you look after your grandchildren and you love getting down at their level and and playing with them on the floor, but you can't get back up again. So that's something that we'll functionally work on. Exercise does improve your mood and your self-esteem and so it can make you feel happy and it can certainly lift patients, particularly when they're going through a really tough time. Mood can be a big motivator as well. And exercise with others, so that social interaction, it's good for the body, it's also good for the mind. We know that the research suggests exercise may help lower the chance of cancer recurrence for some patients. And we also know that it may reduce the chance of developing new cancers and other chronic health diseases, such as cardiovascular disease, diabetes and osteoporosis. So it is important for people to know and patients to know that exercising regularly has plenty of benefits and can help you live longer, may help you live longer. Cancer patients can spend a lot of time feeling completely out of control. Exercise might be one way that you can really claim part of your life back. Yeah, and and bring back to a little bit of normality too. So exercise is certainly an outlet and it's something that patients can choose to do um, in an environment where a lot of things are out of their control. This is something that they can control and can actively participate in to make a difference with their treatment and how they feel throughout their treatment as well. It's something that is a safe environment that is a social, can be a social environment, and it just provides that little bit of normality. Now, Tracy, we've talked about getting people motivated and doing the exercise. When should you actually listen to those warnings to stop? So when not to exercise, I guess, is the question. And if you do develop some symptoms of heart problems, so shortness of breath, certainly chest pain, swelling in the neck or the ankles is important that that's certainly investigated very quickly and we do need you to be medically stable before you come back. So we will need a clearance before you come back and exercise. The other thing is an elevated temperature is when we would not exercise and if your blood counts are really low and often what can happen is people get febrile neutropenia which people are feeling pretty unwell but certainly we would not be exercising then and you would not feel like exercising then. And the other big thing is when we don't exercise is when people are experiencing bony pain. So we certainly, we stop, we need to go back to our health team and reassess and and then come back again. If there is any underlying medical condition that we are concerned about we will send you off to get that medical clearance and we are in contact with oncologists with your specialist nurses as well sometimes because people are immunocompromised as well we need to be careful in exercising in public places things like swimming pools it's not to say that you you can't do that it is something that we just touch base with your oncologist about to make sure that they're happy for you to go ahead and do that which again is going back to why you should really be finding yourself an exercise physiologist. Yeah, particularly for those advanced stage cancers or even things people who have just had surgery, so other types of treatment, they've had radiation, they may, you know, as a result, have lymphedema. All those, there's different things that we need to take into consideration to make sure that the, the program is safe and appropriate for that individual. So if you're inspired, whatever stage you're at during your treatment, who do you talk to first? 
First person, first protocol is your medical team. So whether that be your oncologist or whether it be your GP or your specialist nurse, they can then refer you on to someone, as we said, with experience in oncology and cancer. And that could be an exercise physiologist, that could be a physiotherapist. That's your first protocol is to speak to your medical team and get the okay and then that referral through. If the first one that you ask has never heard of exercise physiologists before, keep asking until somebody goes, oh, I think I know someone who... Yeah, absolutely. So if you're trying to find an exercise physiologist, there is a directory that you can certainly jump online and have a look at, and that's through the Exercise and Sports Science Australia Network, so ESSA, E-S-S-A, and you can jump on there and find your nearest exercise physiologist. So there's over 5,000 accredited across Australia. Tracy Duggan, exercise physiologist and part of the Why Wait for Wellness program run by the Ballarat Health Services, designed especially to help cancer patients. But don't take our word for it. Take it from somebody who's consulted with one of these allied health professionals or attended the Why Wait for Wellness program. I was a little bit dubious at the start. It's all been very positive and I feel like a million bucks compared to what I was. Having some strategies put in place that I can use to get through when I'm feeling really low, that's, I guess, the best thing about it. Definitely say it was helpful in every way, even if you don't think it is at the start. I found out about nutrition and, and sleep and exercise. We did talk about exercise and it was good yeah, to interact and see and you gave us some nice recipes as well. Psychologists have given me some great coping mechanisms to help especially when times are tough because they are tough through chemo. Oh it's word going, it is word going a lot because you always learn to think it's worth it. It helps me muscles come back. Having the dietitians and uh, the physio people working together helps me to be able to get back to strength, eat right, and then just build up the nutrition I need to go through chemo. Putting to bed some myths that you'll hear and you read about cancer and what you can and can't eat, especially at a time when I was losing a lot of weight, was really beneficial to me because I was able to put weight back on after those discussions and different changes I was able to make in my diet about some of the myths about some of the foods that I was dodging, thinking that they fed cancer or they led to more cancer and being reassured meant that I was able to really broaden my diet which has helped me to put weight back on during chemo which is not always easy to do. And helped with fatigue heaps. Even just being able to talk to you about things is help as well. So when I do get really anxious anyone that's going through cancer would have those times. Just being reassured that it's a normal sort of thing and that I'm not alone and it's very important to take care of your mental health while you're battling this disease. The discipline of eating, once you're living on your own, you tend to slip. You don't tend to pay the right attention to what you should be doing. The dietitians helped me to get back on the right track. They helped me with some good advice on that. You'll never regret it, but you must follow the, what they tell you. You've got to have a discipline to go along with whatever they're recommending. Follow that advice, whatever it is. I started it in the middle of my chemo and it definitely helps so you should start as soon as possible. You have a tendency when you're going through chemo to just feel that you're too tired to do anything. There is that tendency to feel that chemo fatigue I think it's called and you just think you can't do anything but if you seek out an exercise physiologist they understand that sort of reluctance and also the fact that you do feel tired and will start you very gently. The Why Wait for Wellness program operates from Ballarat Health Services, but there might be a similar program that's close to you. 
If you've enjoyed this podcast, there are two more from the Why Wait for Wellness team. Psychologist Sarah McKinnon talks about how a psychologist can maybe help you feel a bit better, get more motivation and cut through some of the barriers that might be holding you back from making some changes. And dietitian Amy Smith talks about a diet to keep you healthy through the highs and lows of your cancer treatment. And in our Cancer Survivor Guide series, there are podcasts about chemotherapy, radiation and some of the other help that might be available for you. I'm Penny Johnston, a fellow cancer survivor, and if you found this podcast helpful, why not follow up on some of their suggestions? Music.